everybody, and welcome back to Cinnabon for We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast, a pop culture Saul cast. Pop culture Albuquerque cast. We are traveling on Good Pod Road over here. Hitting you with a very special episode today, diving into the great, the one and only Better Call Saul here on We Bought a Mic. Mike Ehrmantraut. Nice. We, I, I don't know about all this. I don't know about that. <laughs> we bought a Mike Ehrmantraut. I'm, I'm good with it. I think Mike would like it. Okay, cool. Welcome, folks. My name's Ernest. Um, I better call Hunter, because that's who I am. I'm nice. the Slick Jimmy of the podcast. My name is Hunter. And joining us today, a very special guest from snowy, chilly, nippy, Nebraska in fresh monochrome. Javi, how's it going? Going good. It's nice and cold. This guy in the taxi looked at me weird. So now I'm all sussed. But other than that, it's going great. We're so glad to have you, Javi. Um, we were talking about this for a minute. You know, we knew that that this final season of, of Better Call Saul was coming. Oh, baby. And we were getting hyped for it. And then as it started to air. Uh, well, we got the first half at the beginning of the summer, and that was a lot of kind of hype. But oh, yeah. as it, we started to barrel through the last uh, few episodes, I was just messaging you every episode and, and just fully like galaxy brain, just <laughs> in awe of what I was watching every week. It totally required it because that's the kind of show you're just watching like, Oh my gosh, Jimmy swallowed something just now. And I think it was his guilt. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just, sometimes it's hard for me to like emotionally connect to some moments just because I'm so into it. So that's why like the rewatches come through. I feel like this is a moment of kind of closing the chapter in a lot of ways. Um, not just on one of the best shows of the year, but of the decade and of the whole Breaking Bad saga. And in a way of like an entire era of television and of a whole genre of like modern prestige television. Um, So this is, it's, it's bittersweet, you know, it's, it's, we're going to celebrate how good this show is, but we're also kind of, leaving behind something really, really special and singular. Um, mm. So I'm, I'm really happy, but I'm also really sad. <laughs> yeah, I can't see color anymore. So. It's great. Yeah, just everything is flat. All of the color has been zapped out of your life at this point, mm. just like Gene himself. It's crazy to think that the first episode of Breaking Bad came in January of 2008. Wow. Wild. It's been 14 years, 14 and a half years of this. <laughs> let's kind of start there. So let's let's talk a little bit about like how we feel about the entire uh, Breaking Bad Saul enterprise. The whole Gilliverse. Yeah. How do you feel about about Breaking Bad? And then specifically this show, when did you start watching it and how did your feelings of it evolve through time? We can start with you, Hunter. I vividly remember uh, in high school or uh, excuse me, like high school going into that first year of college was the last 
season of Breaking Bad. And I tried to binge through everything. I think that I caught up just in time to watch all of season five live and watched it with a group of us all in college. We would get together in the dorms and turn on AMC every week and actually watch the episodes that they were coming out. And it was an incredible experience. Awesome. We were screaming during Ozymandias, like oh, just yeah, no, waking like, up the, is... whole, the whole quad. <laughs> Especially when you're like 18 years old, you're like, oh, cool. So this is just the greatest show ever made. Like, there's just <laughs> nothing better than this ever. Um, and it, it's funny because Breaking Bad, eventually where it gets to is just every episode is fireworks. And it was funny because over the uh, pandemic, I kind of went back and rewatched some Breaking Bad and forgot how slow it is for like the first two, three seasons. Yeah. It really is deliberate with its pace, which we're going to get to that in a second with Better Call Saul, because I remember whenever Saul got announced, it was like, sweet, you know, it's cool. We'll spend more time with Saul Goodman. I guess that'll be fun. You know, we'll see him become Saul in the we first season. Bob. That'll be great. I do Bob's love Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> so... I watched the first season whenever it came out and it was very slow. It's, it is really moves at a snail's pace. Everything about it is intentional, but it is a very patient show. And to be honest, I think that at the time, whenever I watched it, I just didn't have the patience for it. And I kind of fell off of it. I kind of fell off of watching the show until about six months ago. <laughs> or so hell yeah and i completely binged through better call saul in just a few months enough to watch the final episodes live as they were coming out nice amazing i like it's kind of funny that a show like this that's so slow you wouldn't necessarily think that that makes it better for the whole binge model but i think that i liked it more that it was just like i could just kind of keep ingesting episodes because eventually it's almost like comfort food like just hanging out with these characters just being with jimmy and kim and looking at kim fucking file those papers away was just <laughs> like that's better than cooking meth to me is just paperwork definitely montage game has stepped up doc review just doc review it's the best <laughs> and just kind of going through i couldn't really stop with the show it reached a certain point and it was really with the introduction of lalo that i was like oh is this nice. show just better than breaking bad is this just <laughs> like a better show than breaking bad i think that it, i come down at a point where i think that it's more consistent than breaking bad i we're gonna get into this last season but i just fucking tray magnifique i don't think that you could possibly write a better ending to a series and to like two series because it kind of also works to fill in some of those gaps that were left there from breaking bad too so just kind of everything that it does the show is perfect i love it so much this is like one of the great joys that i've had this year is being able to kind of take this all in and it's amazing it's it's perfect we're going to dive into it more but this show is like just it's it's perfect it's one of my favorite shows ever Javi, let's let's go to you. Thoughts on Breaking Bad and then what's been your journey with Saul? Breaking Bad hit me like a bus when it came out. I started uh, after season three, so I watched all of that. And you're right, it's super slow. But I think that helps. Being able to binge, I think, helps with a slower show because then you just kind of want to know where it's going. So what's rough is having to come back to it, I guess, too. But uh, season four blew my mind. I still can't decide if it's as if I like it more than five or not. Um, but that took totally took over. Amazing show. And 
when Better Call Saul was announced, I was like, well, I got to see that. Like, whatever it is, it's got to be at least decent if they made Breaking Bad. And I I had the same thing. It was super slow, very deliberate with everything. Um, but I also just wanted to know what was up because I couldn't, they went so far back with him. I remember thinking, oh, he's got a, he's got a lot to do here. Either that, or he's got to burn up a lot fast and I'm ready to see whatever. But I mean, it turns out like they did it with Breaking Bad and they did it here. It just ramps up, it accelerates and it goes faster and faster. Cause like by the time you get to the last two seasons, it's like scam after scam. And this show has made me obsessed with montages. It's yeah. so damn Dude, good. Dude, the art of the montage <laughs> is so good. It's so perfect in this show. Like, I, I never thought you could do so much good with a montage. And just how they, they show them doing all, like filing papers, like you said, like I'm in love with Kim, just of how organized she is. It's my goal. Like I use a post-it that ponytail. note. I, yeah, I grew a ponytail just to be like him. Yeah, I, I wish <laughs> I wish mine Scandal. could be as tight. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But uh Better Call Saul, just like I was I was saying something like this earlier. Like you watch Breaking Bad and they they're also very deliberate with everything. Um, so it makes you really pay attention to the show. And by the time Better Call Saul comes out, you're like, oh man, I'm zoned in. I'm on hard mode right now. It's like Breaking Bad Advanced. <laughs> New Game Plus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I kind of took it as a challenge too. It's like, all right, what are they? What are they? What kind of train they're going to throw me in here for? But it totally took over, like the noir vibes and everything. Much like the the movies that Kim and uh, and Jimmy mm-hmm. love, the the movies they sit and watch, drinking Very wine. <laughs> it just it, it kind of becomes one of those movies at the end, down to the last couple shots they're just in one yeah it's so beautiful that's very true wow um so i've been talking about better call saul on this podcast for a good minute i had you've it at been the top. out here just like preaching for us like watch this goddamn show guys and i'm like oh you you and your <laughs> silly breaking bad part two i don't need any of that <laughs> i put it at the at the top of my of my best of the year list a couple of years ago uh, it, it was somewhere in my top 10 um, year, the the years that it aired before that. It started to be one of those shows, like a lot of shows now that just kind of really took its time between seasons. And then there was a two year gap between four and five and then another two year uh, gap between five and six. So it kind of became the show that like went away for a while and people kind of forgot about it. And you know, gave people that chance to either catch up or come to this sudden realization once again of how special this show is. And every time it came around, I I was the one waving the flag of like, all right, guys, (laughs) here we are. Here we are. Once again, it's another new season of one of the best shows on television. And I, for as much as I love Breaking Bad and I cherish that time, of being able to watch that show live and feel that rush of excitement that that brought us the 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 you know the the new grounds that that show kind of forged i feel like this first of all this show wouldn't exist without breaking bad cuz how you were yeah. saying Javi, it kind of 
it put us in a mode where we were able to watch a show like this, where yeah. we were in a headspace to be able to perceive a show like this. But this, this show, Saul, is so much more profound and it's so much more invested in more nuanced and detailed minutiae about the human condition, about morality, about uh, good and evil and all the, the layers in between. Um, Breaking Bad has the, the fireworks. It has the meth cooking. It has the, the insane, just like pizzazz that you want from like a high octane prestige drama. Yeah. Um, well, no this, punches at the end either. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's mm. just going full force, you know, nonstop. This one was okay with really taking its time. And yeah, there's a, there's a few episodes, a few entire seasons where it's just like, man, we're really, we're just watching Mike just take apart an entire car for 15 minutes right now. <laughs> like that's really, we're just going to sit here and do this. And it it's all rooted in character. And I think that that's what makes this truly like a, a piece of art, a finely crafted, just the most detailed etching craftsmanship that you can get from a television show. It is unlike anything else I've ever seen. And going into this final season, I was just not only was I in awe every week, but I was so self-assured that I was in good hands. And there's yeah. there's nothing else like that. Name another show that you can go into a final season and know that it's going to be a banger. It's it's so true because it's it's also speaks to how unique of an experience it is because you can't making a spinoff a prequel is already like treacherous ground especially yeah you're like oh I, these are my friends I know where their life is going to end up I know that Saul it doesn't work out great for him and he ends up on the run so like <laughs> yeah. what are we even building up to and Mike Gus Mike yeah, yeah. and the fact that it's made by the same people. Well, not the completely same like writer's room, but most of the same crew, the same cast, most of the same brain, I would say, uh, to come back and to do that more, but like a whole nother show. And it's the only the kind of payoff you can get for just this very unique moment where like the greatest thrilling crime drama of all time, Breaking Bad came out and then Better Call Saul now having mastered the art of, you know, quick demanding filmmaking, they're at the top of their game, just putting out these ultra cinematic episodes. Um, even of just people sitting in a room and talking, sometimes you get the courtroom drama, stuff like that. It's some of the best stuff. I mean, yeah. again, it's all character base. And yeah. so many of these sequences are just this high tension drama built around conversations. Sometimes they're in a courtroom, which lends itself to its own type of drama. And sometimes they're not. And because this show did the work of making sure that everything going on is rooted in these characters and the dilemmas that they're facing, mm -hmm. we're so incredibly invested in their journeys. But I think the, I think that what makes it transcend to another level is every tiny little decision, every camera placement. Every song, every little touch, every little piece of, of ingenuity that it throws at you that you can possibly predict 
it, it just does things, things that you couldn't even fathom that you would ever see on television. It, it is, it is setting a new standard is what yeah. this show it's, has done. Well, I mean, the thing is that you're kind of touching on here is just kind of, you, there's no nits to pick with this show. It's just like, Oh, Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan just have like the steadiest of hand on everything that's happening. This random, like extra who they got to just be like this little schlubby, uh, <laughs> lawyer who works at the courthouse he's the perfect touch for this show and then we're gonna bring back francesca and she's actually gonna play a key role remember the receptionist from breaking bad we're gonna bring her back and then she'll have more to do all of the acting performances are perfect we're gonna get to ray seahorn and like how queen there hasn't been there has not been a revelation like her performance in TV in years. Like where it's just like, Oh my God, what is the rest of her career going to look like after this show? Like I am season tickets. I have season tickets to everything that she does. Everything about the show, just the way that it looks, it has such a defined look, this Albuquerque yellow, bright, vibrant, tone and that's why it's probably one of my favorite uses of monochrome and black and white ever in anything with not only kind of the stark contrast visually but just what that represents for the characters as you go through it's so well done and i mean this kind of goes back to what we're talking about before with how patient this show is is this show is willing to spend an entire season where we're just focused on michael mckean not being allergic to electricity and like the whole first season, one of the reasons why it's so slow. Cause I was like, Oh my God, are we really still doing this? <laughs> we're still doing it with this fucking guy for a setup for, we're going to get into spoilers now of breaking bad if we haven't been already, but uh, for two seasons later for him to get fucked by his brother and an epic courthouse scene. That's like one of the best moments, the entire show then kill himself due to uh, a uh, Jimmy fucking over his insurance, which then that payoff doesn't come to play until the final episode of this season. Like they're just willing to plant these seeds and they're like, no, we aren't going to worry about it. We aren't going to, we aren't going to reap the benefits at the end of the episode or even the end of the season. We're going to take our time and let you just kind of sit with that. Like, huh, everybody else is blaming themselves for this situation, but I, as the audience, know that Jimmy's at fault for this. And like, Jimmy is the one who caused this. And he's not even like admitting it to himself in these scenes. And it's it's patient storytelling like that, that I feel like I almost had to retrain my brain when watching the yeah. show. Like, you think about something like, I don't know. I'm just pulling the first thing that comes to mind, but something like Stranger Things or something like that, like a more of a modern show where it is focused on like beats per minute. It's yeah. focused on like how many moments can we make within an episode? It's and really that's not poppy. necessarily that's not necessarily diminishing like that kind of poppy style to a show. But whenever that is more what the norm is it does kind of take a minute to like get yourself to hit the cruise control a little bit and just kind of live in a world instead of feeling like you have to like be constantly entranced by one thing or another. Yeah. Uh, A big thing. You got to trust them. You got to be able to trust somebody who's going to put you through all that just silent, nothing uh, people working 
it, it asks a lot of you. It's a very demanding show. But what you said, Ernest, is very true. Super specific, almost Fincher-esque in how every detail, like onset, offset, is super included. They've talked at length about like, yeah, like uh, the props team is like super on it. They all the newspapers, every file is filled with papers and like actually working invoice numbers, all that sort of shit. Like it takes a, a ridiculous amount of time. And all detail this, oriented. It's yeah. funny because then you listen to Peter Goulding. And it's like, yeah, we actually didn't really know we were going one season to the next. And it's like, oh, fuck you. What? You just, how did you do that then? No, that's, that's the writing process. That's the writing yeah. process. But I mean, like, how, how did you not have this outlined, like written step by step along the way? Because it's so well executed. It seems connected. They're studying yeah. their own work. That's really all they're doing is they're going back and being like, what did we do four years ago? Let's make sure that we like actually study our own work and and be true to it. Um, and yeah, like you were saying, Hunter, this is at a different gear. It, it's not operating at the same clip rate as most TV. And that's why it's kind of resonating with a lot of people that are looking for that more kind of rich, more just meaty uh, storytelling from television. That's not fucking She-Hulk, you know, um, uh, attorney at law, attorney at law. Sorry. Attorney um, at law. Yeah. That's but I'm, I'm, I'm curious, Javi, what is your you favorite think? attorney at law? Kim Wexler. Or <laughs> <laughs> Saul oh, Goodman versus She-Hulk. <laughs> I want to see Coming it. Soon damn it. To Disney plus. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten curious now. Uh, um, maybe, maybe they actually put Saul Goodman in there. There is a multiverse, so fuck. Yeah, he there. could. Yeah, why not? Throw him in there. Throw him in there. I'm sure he would do great. I'm sure he would do better. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm curious though, Javi, what you think about this, this, the, the, the flavors of this show because it's not just that it's operating at a different uh, pace, at a different tempo. Yeah, it's the fact that it's doing that doesn't make it one note there are many notes and i'm curious how you feel about like the the fact that it does have all these different flavors and it's it's able to throw in you know a lot of times in the form of these montages that you mentioned these uh or even these action sequences and these um more legal oriented sequences like you're able to get a lot of breath out of what this show offers you, even though it's kind of in its own separate lane. Like, how do you feel like that all works? Actually, that's a really good thing to touch on because the tone of the show is so, and Ray Seahorn's described it as slippery before. And I, I love that. Slipping. Either Ray or Bob. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Dude, they're so on it every time. <laughs> but uh, it like between, and the music too helps a lot. I really enjoy the score for the show. Dave Porter has been killing it since Breaking Bad. But mm -hmm. I often will come to a show, find that I really like it. And usually it shows that I don't know how to describe. And it ends up being like a dark comedy, a dark comedy or. Well, this one's a crime drama, too, but it's also a dark comedy. And then again, those dark, flavors. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's all in there. And I feel like I just I don't know, like a dark comedy is so hard to describe when you see it. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I guess it is because that is kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> like the scam, the scam at the, in this final season where uh, uh, Jimmy Saul dresses up as Howard 
Like, that's everything, fucking the thing hilarious. Is, everything with Howard, the entire scam is hilarious. Hiring the hookers to just Holy show up shit. at his at his like work. Yeah, it's so much meetings. Fun. It's so great until it's not. Right. Yeah. That's, kind of, that's the great thing about this show is this show knows how to make it fun and how to make you really cheer for horrible people and then remind you like, hey, don't forget these guys suck. They're terrible human beings. Yeah. You cheer for them. And I mean, Breaking Bad. Great point. Did that for the entire show of just like reaching to the point where people are like, ooh, Skylar's a bitch for not letting her husband be a drug lord. Um, like that's kind of the worst internet version of this type of thing. But I I mean, all throughout this show, like there's moments every time with like Lalo on screen, I'm like, somebody needs to kill this man, but also please, for the love of God, I want Tony Dalton in every scene of this show. Like, this man is incredible. MVP, man. I, I fucking love that guy. But, yeah, you're... I think we we need to at some point during this podcast go, like, character by character and make sure that we hit everyone. Because I, I need yeah. to... Uh, uh, you know, Michael Mando needs to get his flowers and oh, everything. Oh, Nacho. So, just definitely. But I want to touch on on this, this concept of, like... Uh, kind of comparing it to breaking bad with the the fun versus the the tragedy of it all um because in breaking bad you have these the meth cooks and all these things that yeah it's like ooh we're working baby we're going we're making cash money we're breaking bad let's do it <laughs> and it it's like that's what reels you in and makes you uh root for Walt and Jesse. And it's, it's a, it's a very specific thing that that show does where it's just like never in a million years, am I gonna want to cook meth, but I see these guys do it and I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go, (laughs) dude. Let's fucking do this shit, man. I can do that. But do like a CBS. <laughs> Get that. Yeah, let's do dissolve. <laughs> let's dissolve some bodies, dude. Let's fucking go. Um, but with Saul, again, it's higher level storytelling. Like we're seeing these creators uh elevate their their skill sets. Uh, because what they're accomplishing here is not that easy, it's much more nuanced and when you see these scams, some of them are like, huh, I want, I feel like I could do that. I wonder if I could pull a fast one on these motherfuckers. Like this doesn't look that out of bounds. This doesn't look that difficult. And that's how they lure you in. And there's such a much more gray area with this show compared to breaking bad where breaking bad is just like, it's really clear cut. Like, okay, we're, dealing drugs and we're in the criminal yeah. underworld and you can try and like just by it's like well i have cancer so it's okay but like <laughs> at the end of the day you're still a drug dealer yeah. where this show it's just like there is like a like a backwards ass like robin hood way to think about this where it's just like well yeah i was taking those monies but like they were like shithead millionaires so of course i'm gonna take their money at the bar like it's almost like i'm i'm in the right here like you're in the wrong for judging me for doing this yeah. Yeah, this show really could have gone anywhere. When they when they talked about doing a spin-off, I wasn't sure if I even wanted to, but of course they did. They talked about doing like a 30-minute uh like comedy hour, like Jimmy does a new case every or Saul does a new case like every week or whatever. And eventually they did what they were good at. And it pays off so hard. But 
now and like the world they create everything the atmosphere is dope and also every single character on their game like you like ernie comes back just bringing groceries for chuck and everybody's like my boy that's what dude I'm ernie let's go <laughs> oh my god i forgot about my guy ernesto, <laughs> ernesto yeah. how did we not get a payout what happened to him he just got fired well when, he's gonna no. be an off <laughs> the next <Yeah>. one. <laughs> Better call Ernest. <laughs> um, I really want to talk about this finale because mm-hmm. I don't want to wait until we're like two pushing two hours into this podcast and then <laughs> rush through talking about the finale. Fair. So I I I do want to go like character by character and talk about like everything that we love about them. I think we should pick our favorite characters, we should pick our favorite episodes. Um, but let's dig into this final episode, Saul Gone, season six, episode 13, I believe uh, it is. Yeah. Um, yes. Yep. 13. This 62, is, I think. <laughs> this is uh, 63. Uh, written and directed by Peter Gould. Um, these last four episodes, because, um, okay, part two of season six is this, this second section that we got late summer. And we get these first two episodes, point and shoot and fun and games that are kind of the aftermath of uh, the uh, Howard uh, scam gone wrong that ends Mm -hmm. in uh, Lalo murdering Howard in cold blood. And we get these two hours to kind of which, by the way, the fucking final scene of plan (laughs) and and execution Oh, like man. what a way to go to a fucking break is just <laughs> he called them out perfectly like he knew exactly why they did the scam he's able to put it together the only person to ever called him out like that and boom just and then, too close man, he just at wrong place wrong time literally that's a whole thing with the show is just wrong place wrong time for so many innocent bystanders yeah. in this show um I was, so screaming. I was screaming at my television that cut to black <laughs> and then i have to wait two months for the next episode bruh it's so funny because the show never did there's no cliffhangers like at all like the show doesn't really do cliffhangers and they're like no we're gonna give you fuckers something for the last season (laughs) we we got something up our sleeve it's but it's so well done and then the genius thing about this show is that uh the first two episodes whenever you come back to break point and shoot and then fun and games are like the they're like the last episode of the season like they are the finale for jimmy as we know him funning point and shoot is just really like this big climactic episode that's the ozymandias where it's like that's all the fireworks it's all the people the lalo shootout all that big moments and then fun and games is the epilogue fun and games is this aftermath of Jimmy and Kim, but really Kim Kim's finally you know, done. Yeah. yeah. Kim realizing we've hit the, the breaking hurt point. They're causing it's, it's yeah. over. I have to it's, say, over. it's probably my favorite payoff because the whole thing, like I, like you, the whole question of what happens to Kim, yes. I feel like my most important, or at least, at least what happens to her here, you get a little more at the end. And there is that whole section of, Holy shit! What she? Well, the question do? of of but, this being a prequel and why isn't she in Breaking Bad? Right, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And that payoff, the whole breakup scene, genius. These two, so good. It's heart wrenching. Oh man! Like I didn't read. I 
you know, I thought, because even I talked to you about this, Ernest, I thought she would be behind the scenes, uh, punching up legal dialogue for Saul Goodman. We had all uh, kinds of theories. Yeah. Like, we were going back and forth. We were like, we were like, oh, really? No. I knew I was like, there's no way that she she's too. I yeah, she so can get bad. corrupted and everything. But I was like, she's too pure. She wouldn't be like whenever you see like the slick Saul that you see in Better Call Saul, that's a different human being from Jimmy. Yeah. And seeing like, I mean, we're going to talk about Bob Odenkirk and like how Weirdly, I feel like he's kind of the unsung hero of this show, despite it being Better Call Saul. Nobody really talks about the layers. He's the that, cornerstone. But he's, he's just yeah. holding it. He's all playing like five different roles <laughs> yeah, in insane. this performance. It's insane what he's doing. Like it is. There's one moment in the season finale, the series finale, where uh, it's the scene where he, him, and Marie, where you see him come in and he's talking. Where I was like. Is Bob Odenkirk the greatest actor alive? I'm ready to have this debate right now. I've seen him just be like, I was actually a victim of Walter White. <laughs> I was like, dude, he's doing it again. What? How is this keep happening? Oh, man. I felt the same way, too. I was like, because I felt so much. I was just trepidation about this episode the entire week leading up to it. I was like, it's going to be a sad ending. Either Jimmy or Kim is going to be do something extremely spiteful to each other. It's going to be really nasty. Uh you know, saw, and especially after like you see him pull like this scam uh, on these guys in the bar and the black and white gene sequence, like he's, he goes hard on the cancer patient. I started to get worried because they went black and white. And I was like, if this is a noir, it's going to be a terrible ending. What's well, after the phone call with Kim, which is key, you yeah. know, and it's key. The, there's so many touches where okay. they know that they have us at the fucking. Oh tip of their pinkies like (laughs) the call to kim and you're not gonna play the dialogue for another two episodes it's like almost like fuck you man how do you you have me so on the hook i'm just 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 chomping at the bit for every little crumb and they're like no we're not gonna give this to you we're gonna make you wait another episode to find out exactly what was said to making flip the fuck out like that like a, a gentle tease. It's like you're being edged for all those years. And then boom. And that episode off. is called Breaking Bad. And we get our first glimpse at um, Walt and Jesse in this entire show back for the first time. I guess uh, if you're not counting El Camino back for the first time since the end of Breaking Bad. Brian Cranston looks great. Aaron Paul, you know. He's a guy in his 30s trying to play a 20-year-old. It's not his fault, but uh actually this is um this is replicant version 176 <laughs> from Westworld. So that that cool, explains dude. why he looks like that. You oh, and nice. the 14 other people who are still watching Westworld can enjoy that one. But yeah, this this episode, it's really interesting because we knew that we were gonna get these cameos, and it's kind of like expected, like how are you not going to show the two main characters from the other show in the spinoff show and to incorporate them in the way that they did is so perfect because it's not just cameos for the sake of cameos. It's not just like, Oh, I remember that guy. He was my favorite from that (laughs) other show that I love. It serves a purpose. The journey that Saul is going on in this episode of him Mm -hmm. literally breaking bad again and those memories of him interacting with Walt and and Jesse kind of 
working what he's thinking as he's going down these paths of like reactivating this side of himself in Omaha. Um, what did you guys think of all this? Oh man, so cool. I, I have to say, I was really excited to see Bob Odenkirk play Saul with all the hindsight of knowing who Jimmy was. And when you finally get there, it's so interesting, like how he plays it. Cause he's so highfalutin. He's playing the game. Like he knows, he like, he knows a mark and he knows like to juice him up. He's like, this is top quality. And like, boom, already Walter's telling Jesse no details, but uh, I'm listening. What do you got for me? (laughs) (laughs) Also, it calls back to the early days of the show where he was playing, you know, these guys at these bars, like we've seen them before. These are, Mm -hmm. it's this thing the show is doing in this late stage where it's just, it's finding all these ways to link back to things that we've seen before and all making it thematically resonant. It's perfect use of these characters because like you said, Ernest, like they are there to inform the Saul character. Yeah, And I mean, the whole main pitch of this show, I guess at least it was in the writer's minds. It wasn't even like, told to us audiences is the first time that you see that you meet Saul in the first episode that you meet Saul in Breaking Bad, he gets taken out to the desert, sees a hole in the ground, says like, it was Lalo, Lalo to Nacho. And like, he's blaming these people who you have no idea who they are. And he's just saying names in Breaking Bad. They mean nothing to you. And you, the writers like put that in the back of their head. And Peter Gould is like, all right, we can work with that. This is, this is our setup. And we'll kind of go from here. And all of these cameos that they or all the flashbacks that they do flash middles, I guess, because the show <laughs> is kind of a flashback. The time whenever we see clips from the Breaking Bad timeline are all meant to inform the Saul Jimmy Gene that we know now. And they kind of just make his character all the more tragic. Like Oof. it's it would be interesting so to go back and see. Cause I mean, you know, part of this is like happy accidents of them kind of falling into this story of him having more of a tragic backstory. Sorry, Brian is like about to click out of the Zoom call. He's laying right up. He's you need to fully set up, flopping. You need to set up another right another computer for him next to you. It literally, it doesn't matter. I have so much space. He is never up here until I am on a Zoom call. And then he's just like, I need to lay on top of your keyboard right now. Um, anyways. Um, yeah, no, I, I completely lost my train of thought. Thanks, I, Brian. <laughs> I, um, I'm curious, going back to these like last four episodes here, because you mentioned that Fun and Games is kind of the Ozymandias of this show, of this final season, right? And then we get four more hours after that. Um, and Breaking Bad after Ozymandias, we only got two. We got Granite State and Felina. Now we get four. And it's, I had a whole journey watching these last four episodes because oh yeah it's it's a lot it's a lot to take in because you get nippy which is one of my favorite episodes of the entire show uh (laughs) him you know feeling himself cinnabon gene playing this uh this (laughs) cinnabon scam on the security guards like i ate that shit up one bite at a time three fur coats for me (laughs) i every time i warm up to it as i watch it but i was a victim of circumstance there because i i felt like 
oddly compelled to look up as much as I could for the show. And there was a rumor, I think, like Aaron Paul said that another Breaking Bad, he was going to be in another episode and it was going to be nippy. Um, and he turned out not to be in it. So I was expecting a completely different episode. But uh, it's totally ballsy to do an entire black and white episode. I'm so glad they ran with it. I was well, waiting not just for that. It. It's I mean, talk about the show being patient because it's funny of like this episode is just a very exciting. It's like a heist episode. It's very fun. But in the context of you like checking your watch and being like, there's only three episodes left. Why are we doing this like one off where we're stealing clothes from a Burlington right now? Like, what are we doing? Like it, it's kind of a thing where it almost feels like a side off. Yeah. Like a side quest that we're doing right here. And like the final episodes of, of better call of Saul. So you're almost like, what are we doing here? Like, I know we're, we got to get to all these other places before we run out of time here, even though that episode is so much fun. And I, I, I love I get that. It. I mean, it's, it's crazy because it's like, it's what Shout I was out saying to Gary Gergich, by the way. Yeah. Uh, big, time, big time. Terry, Parks Jerry, uh, <laughs> you're watching this and you're thinking on one hand, I trust these writers. I trust them with my whole life. I know that they're going to give me a satisfying conclusion to this show, but also it's like, um, we're literally going to just sit here and eat Cinnabon for <laughs> half this episode. It, it's, it's this, it's this mind blowing thing where it's just like, yeah, you trust them, but also you're kind of freaking out a little bit of like, what are we doing? What are we doing? But you're just it, like, man, he's just, we're just still talking Nebraska football, huh? We're just going <laughs> to spend how much, how much research are we doing here about Nebraska football in 2016? It's the right, it's the right kind of indulgent. It's the right kind of indulgence where you want to <laughs> savor every bite every bite of that mm, cinnamon oh, you want to you just don't want it to end and that's what they're doing here they're stretching this out they're giving you all these little bits all these little crumbs because they don't want it to end and they don't want to leave this world that they've been in for 10 plus years now that you bring up cinnabons i have to mention my one nitpick about the show is that there's no way he's eating that cinnabon in three minutes Okay, like, I was th I was having the same thought, and that's that's the one. It's just mm, I don't know. He can't put it back that fast. They should have had more time for the heist. Is what I'm I saying. know. <laughs> but have you ever had a Cinnabon? I did. Okay, I did. I actually bought one. Did and you time yourself? Be, I didn't time myself, but I <laughs> did take a while yourself. to eat it, uh, only because I was watching Better Call Saul. Okay. You have to face, is, you have to put your back towards the screen, Javi, and wolf <laughs> it down as fast as you uh, can. You're right. Uh, <laughs> I, <next time. laughs> you're right because it would have taken longer because nobody just out there just like perfectly cutting squares of the Cinnabon with his fork and knife and just like nobody's <laughs> ever eaten his Cinnabon like that cleanly. Right. Um <laughs> Which but what not, if you were eating way. it would delay you though if you were like eating your cinnabon and suddenly whoever you're with is just like i don't have a wife <laughs> <laughs> i'm don't, so alone don't tell the kid oh, man another great scene <laughs> when he when he's just like oh, look, at Nova. Me, look at me Oh, oh that's the funniest part this show's really funny like that's kind yeah. of the whole thing it gets lost on this and breaking bad for that point where it's just like these shows are pretty funny yeah. like they're not afraid to just like make you laugh at scenes and have, like, it, well plops, funny it plops the tragedy right there too because he's like oh i don't have a wife and then my brother died 
And it's like in that moment you see it and you see it in Bob's performance. It is so fucking good where he is trying to pull this fast one on this guy and is just trying to do this freak out. So he doesn't look back at the screen, but then he <laughs> in doing so he actually pulls yeah. out a real genuine emotion about his dead brother. God, so it's so fucking good, dude. I want to, so I want to shout out our boy, Peter Gould really quick, because uh, you brought up Lalo earlier and uh, notoriously Vince Gilligan wanted to ax that idea because he thought it was a total throwaway. He didn't want to touch it. And Peter Gould Vince. was the one who championed it. Yeah. And uh, also Vince actually took a massive break when he was doing El Camino. He's gone for like two and a half years, I think. Vince, I mean, Peter Gould is really Vince Gilligan. I would, I kind of associate Vince more with Breaking Bad and yeah. Peter Gould more with Better Call Saul. Cause this was kind of uh, Peter Gould's baby. Like he yeah. was the one doing the majority of like the true outlining of where the Saul character was going to go season to season. So to that point, um, the last two episodes, Waterworks and Saul Gone. Waterworks is written and directed by Vince Gilligan and Saul Gone is written and directed by Peter Gould. Waterworks um, finally gave us a look at what happened to Kim after everything went down. Yeah. She's in Florida. She's thriving as <laughs> an assistant to a uh, sprinkler uh, manufacturing facility of some sort. Um, yep, yep, I, yep, 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 in in bed all night. I have to say, there's some I didn't know if it was intentional or not, but I, I never mentioned that. Uh, she works for a Sprinkler Company, and Marco, Jimmy's boy from Chicago, worked at a standpipe, standpipe company. And I was like, all right, what's the plumbing connection? Because they <laughs> Is this all, the level of like Reddit plot threading that you're um, putting together? Like, I went, I went hard. I don't know. <laughs> I like the, because, uh, you know, Jimmy, they throw out the toilet. Do they show them? Throw, they, oh, no, he has the golden toilet in the first episode in the Saul timeline. The line. montage. Yeah. With yeah. the ties. Uh, uh, he gets the office. There's a toilet left there. And Kim's one promise is just promise me you'll keep the toilet. <laughs> All right. That's my one caveat or whatever. And I was reading into this the whole time. And yeah. There's some YouTube videos about it too. I was like, I mean, it's not, pay off. it's not plot, <laughs> but it's just, it's little details like that, that they throw in for people that are watching closely because mm, at, at yeah. the end of the day, like that's what this show is. It's, it's for the people that want to watch closely and it rewards that level of, of detail oriented scrutiny. Um, it's all, it's all there. Even if it's not crucial to the plot, uh, most of the time it's not, finding those little connections is, is what can be satisfying. So we get these last two episodes mm -hmm. and I saw a lot of takes online that waterworks was like one of the best uh, episodes, if not the best episode of the show. And I was like, Oh, well, that was a great episode, but we've had lots of bangers before. Like, Oh yeah. I, I don't know if I, waterworks is like, I don't, I don't know. I, we're going to talk about it whenever we talk about our favorite episodes, but waterworks might be there for me. I think it's the best race Seahorn episode in the entire series. Oh, well her, her dude, her scene breaking down crying is incredible. I oh, like, man. I Legendary. just it broke me down. Like I was just fucking, <laughs> I was a wreck watching that whole thing. Like it's kind of, you know, Javi, you mentioned it earlier about how like this show, sometimes it's you are like so invested in what's happening story wise that maybe it doesn't it doesn't necessarily resonate with you on an emotional level in the moment. 
And I feel like there are some times in the show where this show does get to me for sure. Um, yeah, definitely. but waterworks is probably the episode that like really waterworks. And then the finale saw gone are the ones that like hit me the most in the moment where it's like, Oh no, this is the end for these characters. Like there's no more, there's no snazzy dialogue. That's going to get us out of the situation. These are characters that are actually dealing with the repercussions of their actions. I, I totally and the agree. guilt associated with it. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I say that, and, but especially after we get these last half back half of the last season, uh, emotionally I'm ramping up the race seahorn scene, uh, totally gut wrenching. And that's when I know like, Oh, this is a tragedy. This is a total tragedy. It's going to end horribly. And I'm worried because of this. By the way, I will say, just because we just commented on Vince Gilligan, um, Vince Gilligan got sole writing credit for this episode. It's the only episode of the entire Better Call Saul series that he had sole writing credit on. He was just like, everybody clear out. I got the penultimate episode. This one's one's all me. (laughs) Yeah, for... I, I might I might give it the rewatch, but for some reason it didn't stick out to me as like way better than any of the other ones. Like I was just I was fully on board with this whole season. I totally agree with that because I do think some episodes are better. Like I think fun and games is in my top three. But, yeah. But uh at least that. But also this episode and the last episode too. I only cried in the last and I think. I cried in funny games and I cried in the very last episode and they shared a cigarette with each other, but I was also smiling. Like I had the biggest grin on my face, but tears. It's such a, it's such a weird mix of tone in the show. I love it. I mean, it's a love story. It's a love story. And to see it pay off in a satisfying way. That's also surprising is all I could ask for. Because again, that question of what happened to Kim, is she dead? Is she behind bars? Like, what is their relationship like post breaking bad? That's this huge question hanging over this show. And the way it plays out here is so heartbreaking because for the answer to be, Oh, she just leaves him and divorces him and just never talks to him again until, you know, six years later or whatever, you know, that, was probably on someone's bingo card but not on mine i mean i we're conditioned to expect more explosive things from our tv we're conditioned to expect like the worst especially from a show like this that has fucking lalo and howard being buried in the fucking super lab you know these big events like this I was watching this thinking like Kim's definitely gonna die Kim's definitely gonna die and as season six was rolling on I was like Kim's gonna be safe and she's gonna leave him and that's the reason why Jimmy fully becomes this Saul character where he's just like broken inside and literally just has to fill the void with things which and that's kind of of where we get to is just he has to just be have different women in his bed every night and live in a mansion with all of these lavish just things that actually mean nothing exactly that's the end of fun and games literally the final scene of fun and games is him being full Saul I think it's literally like supposed to be the same day as to when he gets kidnapped by Walt and Jesse him starting that day and it's fully recontextualized compared to when we first see him in Breaking Bad where he's this like zany, wacky, crazy lawyer guy. 
And it's this exact same character on this exact same day. And it's the most tragic, just sad, gut-wrenching thing you've ever seen. Where the, the final shot of that episode is just like zooms in on his face and he's ready to see his clients. And you're just like, that is a man who is fully broken. And he's also, he's also popping off duck lips and like listening to his own commercial, like with raised volume. And (laughs) it's so funny. Full soul. And it's so, it's the saddest thing. Like, yeah, you see the comb over, you see the bald (laughs) spot, you see like, oh, this is him compensating for losing Kim. Yeah. And in the back, and you have to know, like, he's never going to find anybody as good. So a relationship forever. Way, dude. She was, she's like, Top tier. That girl in his bed, like she does not know how to file documents. There's no way that she can file them in the same with the same efficiency that Kim. She hasn't with. touched a post-it note in 20 years. <laughs> she's the she's the only person who ever liked Jimmy for who he was, and it's the sweetest thing. It's an observation a friend of mine made. A friend of mine, his name is Ivan, watched the last three episodes of me, not having watched an, a single episode of Better Call Saul, but he was so on it just from the emotional context. And especially like having that happen right after Breaking Bad, we're closest to like that era of him. Um, it was so interesting to see though, because I constantly wonder if somebody watches Better Call Saul first, would they enjoy it more? Uh, or at least what would the experience be like? In hindsight, you have to believe that watching Breaking Bad first is a more enjoyable experience. Oh yeah, it's, again, it's got the fireworks. Exactly, yeah, like we were saying earlier. But just as it's own, it works on its own. But one does inform the other you could watch better call Saul. I wonder if uh, somebody will make like a super cut. That's like the majority of better call Saul, then the events of breaking bad, then El- breaking bad. And then you cut El Camino and they're somewhere into breaking bad into all the gene stuff. I'm sure that there's some way that you could make a super cut of everything. I saw like a, a watch order like that. I want to do it. We're kind of skipping ahead here a little bit, but I think Funny Games is my favorite episode of the entire series because of what just, I mean, it has all of the things that we were talking about before, but also I didn't really know how well, I kept having this thought in the back of my mind is like, how well is the Saul stuff going to work? If we see Saul in the show, is it going to feel a little bit jarring or is Bob Odenkirk going to be like, only like half dipping his toes in Saul and then half being this Jimmy character. And it's all mixed in there. Yeah, exactly. He's able to be Saul, but it does make me want to go back and watch Breaking Bad and just kind of see if there are like depths to his performance that we didn't even realize were there from the get-go. Or is he just fully broken by the time that we see most of the events in Breaking Bad? Because that's also another element to this is we're seeing him being broken inside, but we just happen to know. Well, that's, that's that's one of the great achievements of this show is that it gives this actor the chance to dig into a character in a way that most actors would dream of, you know, it's, it's an established character that was very kind of, you know, a little bit surface level in the context of some of the other richer characters of that original show and, yeah. and expanded to these like incredible depths. And it's all because of the, the popularity that that original show got and the chance to, you know, blow it to this larger canvas. And mm-hmm. again, with fun and games with this final shot, I watched that with Lee and she 
uh, the episode ended and she was like, oh, so that's the final episode of the show, right? Like he saw, like, that's it. It was a prequel to that point. Yeah. And it kind of is because then the Mm -hmm. last four episodes, the opening sequence informs that idea with, with the tape breaking down and the, it kind of like clicks out to the blue screen. And that's a way to tell you, like, we just wrapped up a huge part of this story. We brought you all the way to that point where you initially met him in the first show. And now we're going to tell this other story that is in a way outstaying its welcome, but it does it in a way that feels true to life and true to the complexity of this story and of these characters, because the way breaking bad ended is a lot of people talk about how that, that show ended kind of a couple of different ways. And and each one of those three episodes is a different ending, but at the end of the day, it was like, you know, it wasn't that ambiguous. And mm-hmm. what you're seeing here is we're going to stretch out this ambiguity and tell a story about ambiguity and about how ambiguity impacts the human soul and our relationships with each other and our desire to feel loved and wanted by the people that we care about. And this final episode, guys, like I I think this is literally one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen in my life. Like yeah. I it might it's up there with the best finale is easily like I I'm was just, totally. in awe. I, I don't know how you could have done it better. <laughs> like I just it's like no notes, no notes, guys. You did you did it. You like nailed this, it. This whole last season has been such a ride. And I was, you know, I was sad going into it, but also excited. And I was like, all right, you know, whatever it is, I know that it's going to be good. You know, that's what we've been saying. We're in good hands. I know it's going to be good. And then sitting down and watching this, my guy gets caught right <laughs> off top, yep. right up yeah. top in the dumpster. Yep. I'm laughing my ass, ass off again. Like it's fucking hilarious. He's Just spilling the diamonds. Probably, yeah. Like, I don't know, like tens of thousands of dollars worth of diamonds. They're just yeah. in a dumpster now somewhere. Also shout out to Carol Burnett that we haven't mentioned yet. Dude, She's like, absolutely. I hope they get Queen. his ass. <laughs> um, and- Saul Goodman is in my house. <laughs> that was like a Marge Simpson. I don't know what that voice was. Don't even worry about that. And I'm, and I'm sitting there watching this and he's there with Oakley and obviously Marie comes into the picture, which I was really oh, happy to see. So glad to see Marie. And I'm Such thinking like closure. Wonder if she's still a kleptomaniac. <laughs> oh yeah. She's going to steal sure. like some pens from the yeah. penitentiary. More so downward spiral. And I'm thinking this is genius. This is literally genius. This is the perfect decision to end this show. Saul Goodman has to take on his biggest case yet. His own. <laughs> Fuck yes. I was hoping he would end up on trial for his actions. I knew like in the back of my head, like he has to be, be his own lawyer at some point. Like so we have to get dude. one more and it's kind of, it's what I wanted at least. And the fact that they found a way to give us all what we wanted and to give the characters like a, for the most part, a pretty happy ending, all things considered. At least that's how I read it. Yeah. I think, I think that's the balancing act that's happening here is like, kind of how you mentioned earlier that we knew we were heading for a sad ending. Like if you put out a poll 
for people after the end of fun and games. It was like, do you think that this show is going to have a happy ending? You'd get a resounding no, like landslide. No. (laughs) And I think the writers knew that and they thought, okay, how do we go to this finale knowing what we've built and knowing the tragedy that we built and still find a way to find that happy ending. Cause one of the theories that I had told you, Javi is like, I want this show to end with Gene at Cinnabon looking up and seeing uh, Kim waiting at the counter for a Cinnabon. <laughs> that's and just that's the end. To black. That's like, a, that's like the Sopranos ending of the show is that she sees Kim in the line and then just cut to black. No, I think the genius thing about the show about this ending is that like it goes both ways right you they get to like have their cake and eat it too where yeah. Yeah. we get the I'm happy sorry, ending have their cinnabon get, and eat it have too. their cinnabon and then eat it too yes of course yeah. um where <laughs> we get Saul representing himself and we get him winning like we get him he gets life plus 90 years and he life plus 100 yeah, i can't even remember it's, it's over it's, 100 yeah. yeah, no, it's life plus 180 years. So like he's totally <laughs> fucked and he gets it down to seven and a half years. Incredible. He gets it down Incredible. to se- he wins. He does it. And he gets to like go to the fucking the like a basically a resort prison where he gets to take golf lessons. Like he did the Saul thing. He's gonna get away from this scot-free. And yet as soon as he's just like, I have news on Kim Wexler, Oof, like my yeah. heart sank. My heart was just like, no, yeah. Saul, don't do it. Like I he know, didn't know that about the, the deposition from Waterworks. He had no idea. Yeah. Well, he didn't know about the deposition, but then like, you're just like, oh, he's going to do something to fuck her to like get another yeah. six months off of his, because that's like, that's the, what we've seen of him in the show so far is that like, he's willing to cut every corner that's possible right. whenever right. he gets a chance. Well, yeah. I love, I love how they don't tell you that outright. They, they yeah. inform you enough to assume that. And we're thinking about that as audience members, because we know this character and what he's capable of, but they leave it open-ended enough for you to wonder, like, maybe there is a chance that it's not overtly against him. Well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the another whole genius thing about the show is the respect that Peter Gould and co have for the audience is that they just don't explain things, which is always love that you don't have to explain things guys. Um, but just the way that that's set up and then leading to the courtroom, the big scene of oh. him just saying, like, I won, like I beat all of you fuckers. And now I'm going to tell you about how I am. Uh, I'm really the face of the entire drug empire here. Like he was, I was behind was the scenes facts, of everything. Sure. No, it was. But it's just like it's. It's he wins in both ways. He wins in that he gets himself. He shows like I can get myself out of this. I win as a lawyer and I win as like the backbone to this entire 14 year saga that you've been on. Like I am <laughs> I am the puppet master behind everything that you've seen so oh, far. Man. It's yeah. perfect. It's so well. I just like started clapping at one point. I was like, my God, this is the best thing. The best like a moment of just pure elation in a courtroom that I felt seen so long. One thing you texted me, Hunter, that I wanted to get Javi's take on is the gorgeous beauty of how Saul reverts back to Jimmy during the Mm -hmm. course of this scene. 
We oh, st- well, not even just in the seat, the entire episode. We start as Gene. Yeah, we are Gene. Then he's in the jail cell. He he's sees in the, the etching cell. on the wall. <laughs> he becomes full Saul for like a big stretch of this episode. We are Saul. And then where the episode ends, we end back at Jimmy. We yeah. end literally with a shot remake of a shot from the first episode of the show. We end where we begin. This whole cyclical nature of we've been spending all this time from Jimmy to Saul to Gene, and now we revert Gene to Jimmy to or Gene also, to Saul to Jimmy. I want to shout out that fit walking in slow motion with that oh, fit, man. that suit on, hair slick back, looking a lot like Chuck. It's pushed back. <laughs> he used to be a piece of shit, but he's not anymore. Hey, listen, you think I give a rat's ass that <laughs> Saul went in with his silver shark suit? Did, what uh, I, I want to ask real quick, what color did you guys think his suit was? Oh, like a nice lavender. Yeah, I thought it was the lavender suit from the divorce line. Yeah, it looked like purple or red, maybe. But I, I saw behind the scenes photos, I think today or yesterday, but it was a silver shark suit that he had in season five and a red shirt. Oof. And I know that, like, over the course of oh, the show... Oh, that's so sick. I should have gotten married in that suit. Goddamn. <laughs> With the crazy tie, lots of yeah. patterns. They had, a, over the course of the show, they've talked about doing, like, the color code, blue being the legal side, red being the criminal side. Oh, my God. That video that video you sent me, dude, we should link that. Um, I'll make sure to link that, because you blew my mind with this video you sent me about the color... The color coding <laughs> in this show. It is wild. Some guy it's, on YouTube did a full analysis yeah definitely i'll, oh, wow. I'll pull up uh, the guy's username and everybody's a fan of the show should definitely watch it because it just speaks to how every department on the show was involved in the storytelling between yeah. like uh makeup of course wardrobe and then you had people doing props like actually vince you think jimmy would like this instead like everybody I are mean, like is... asking the, the cast themselves it's so mm-hmm. great that is like a whole thing uh, like Talked, it's talked about by like people who are more plugged into the show. But one of the genius things is that they have kept the majority of the same crew season to season. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people from the Breaking Bad universe too. So there's just like, basically they talk about like, there's like Camp Al- Albuquerque basically where they just go out there for a few months every year and just will <laughs> like hang shoot out. and just all like hang out and everything. But like, I mean, there's like a whole thing about just this whole crew that just... They just hang out all in Albuquerque. A lot of them live in Albuquerque, especially a ton of the actors in shows and this show are just Albuquerque actors. There's a reason why you haven't seen them in anything else because they're just dudes in Albuquerque. It's great. It just that's adds to the realism of the show that creates it. They have a Walt and Jesse statue now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Compared to like LA, it has to be like the middle of nowhere. And I'm sure... at least Bob Odenkirk has talked about how he likes it to help like focus for the role or at least not have a lot of chatter time. Albuquerque is a great city. I've been there a couple of times and it's it's, really, yeah, it's, Oh, it's beautiful. I've flown into ABQ a few few times because it's a really nice, it's like a middle layer. Are you going to visit the max security prison next time you're there? (laughs) Yeah, no, well, I I did uh, do some research and figure out that it's based on a prison in Colorado so I just have to go to Colorado gotcha. and I can go visit. I can go visit Jimmy. Oh, the uh, YouTube user's uh, username is the Story Blueprint. Got Story Blueprint. Okay, I have to check that out. But yeah, it's a great video, super insightful. Uh, but the reason I brought it up is because he's wearing a red shirt uh, for his last uh, court case. So that's 
it lended to my theory that he was full salt mode. I'm going to fuck over Kim in this last trial up until the moment he sees her because I, my read on it at least is that uh, now in hindsight, after everything, I do regret not having anybody left or mm-hmm. not being loved because Peter gold has talked about Jimmy just wanting to be loved or respected or be liked even, but everybody kind of shit on him throughout the show. So, so do you think that he was going to fuck her over until he saw her? That's, that's my read on it. Okay. If I watched it again, I might pick up on stuff that changed my mind, but I, was I just, scared. I really think that it's a whole thing where like Jimmy was like, I want to win both ways. Like part of him, I think that he, I think that he wanted to get caught from the moment that he talked to Kim on the phone. The moment that Kim yes. called him and he was freaking the fuck out is because he's just like, he was mad, but he knew that she was right. He knew that she was right, that I should turn myself in. And that's why he's just like, I'm just going to put myself, you know, let's go back to that cancer guy's house, even though I know the drugs are wearing off. Once I get there, let me just like drink some of his scotch and just like play around with his watches. Like he is so just like pushing the limit of like, how far can I go with this until I get caught? Yeah. yeah. And just, I think that's why it was a whole thing of just like, I almost now thinking back on the episode think the whole scene with marie is just him being like it's been a few years do i still got it do i still got <laughs> yeah. it oh, oh yeah sure. no i still i still fucking got it i still got it. i can oh, still definitely. do this i'm still the best at this but at the end of the day i do know that i'm wrong here so i am going to do this is that after when he's in the cell by himself and he reads the the writing on the wall uh my lawyer will ream your ass yeah it's after that yeah okay it's after he reads that in the in the jail cell, man. The, but that scene when he's just pacing is that this is how I go down, found in a trash can. The old Marion catches me like what a fuck show. And then he he's just like uh, his reaction to seeing the graffiti uh, just slumps down, crying, laughing like Bob Odenkirk. So top good. of his game. By the oh. end of this show, he's just learned so much from just working. It's like also a the, beast. The tragedy of it being an old lady that gets him when yeah. it's like yeah, the, when the type of people was the whole start of yeah, everything. The type of people he used to help out with his cases. How far we don't fell. It's there's such a uh, it, it's it's poetry. It's just there's, there's, cycl- there's this whole cyclical nature to the finale. That's there's a whole art. I like a strong argument that the finale is the best episode of the entire series just because of you, man. It's how it just ties up every fucking little thing that you want without feeling over explanatory or like I think uh, a lot of the hindsight backlash to the end of Breaking Bad is that it has a little bit of uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King to it. Where there's just like it ends a lot. All right, we have another ending. Okay, yeah. so so now we're ending again. It's like it's kind of too many times that we're like trying to hit every serotonin bump, and it just kind of has diminishing yeah. returns to it. Well, this and this, this one, says it in the most satisfying way, where it's just it's tying up loose ends, but it's not like over investigating each loose end that's out there. Well, the 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 perfection, the genius. Uh, the thematic weight is also in those flashbacks. You know, it's it's the, the time machine flashbacks with Wall and with Mike mm. and with if Chuck. You had a time machine. Oh my God, <laughs> I was so happy to see Chuck again. I didn't think I was going to get to see the great Michael McKean again. I'm so and glad. Yeah, so, oh, so good. It's it's so meditative and nuanced and precise, and it just really makes you think about like who this guy is and what his fate was. And you know, when when Walt kind of 
puts that button on that scene and says, oh, you've always been like this. It's true. But Walt's kind of just talking about himself in that Mm -hmm. moment. He's not. it, It does apply to Jimmy, but he's not really. It's it's ringing more true to himself because he's thinking about himself because he's a selfish prick. Oh, that that's a cool read, actually. I like that. And I think that what we see in this final episode is that, yeah, a lot of the things that that happened in this entire story is that Jimmy has always been like this, but maybe he wasn't. And maybe how this show ends and the hope that we find in the end is that, no, Jimmy and Kim are not going to go back to pulling fast ones. They're not going to try to bust Jimmy out of jail and pull a scam on these poor prisoners just trying to live out their lives. They're not going to try to get Paddington in on it and do a whole bakery heist. They've learned their lesson (laughs) and they haven't always been like this. And there is hope to change and evolve. And I think when it comes to this love story, it's such a complicated love story because On one hand, Jimmy is this incredibly tragic person that has pulled Kim to this dark side and involving her in this in this criminality with Mike and Gus and all these horrible things. But there was a moment there when Jimmy was ready to bow out and he literally said, we don't have to do this. We can just punt it to when it's right. And she does a fucking U-turn on the bad choice road. A literal, whatever this show is like actually just like hitting you with a hammer. It's so good because it's like. It is really good. It's just like, we're going to, the metaphor is going to hit you in the back of the head with a two by four. We're doing a a U-turn on the bad choice road. And she makes that choice to push him. It's like, he's pulling her to the cliffside. Then he kind of teeters back and then she pushes him off. Well, the thing is, I mean, she has the whole idea about Howard. She says, well, we wouldn't we shouldn't do it. But if we were going to do it, here's how we would do it. And she outlined the whole thing. You don't hear her plan explicitly in the end of I think it's at the end of season four is whenever it's first teed up. Season four, season five. It's a long con of just trying to fuck over Howard. Yeah, but no fun. It's Kim's it. idea. Because the thing is that yeah. it's not just all Jimmy. And that's a genius thing about the show is that they're bad for each other and that they bring out the worst traits of each other. Yeah. And like, like they love each other. And that's kind of another smart thing about the show is that it never makes the they never have a dramatic breakup in the sense of like the like oh, you're like tearing me apart, like any kind of thing like that, some corny ass shit. It's that Kim is mature enough to realize that they are both like bogging each other in the mud so much that they they need to be separated or else it's just going to kill each of them. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's hard. It was hard for me to see them breaking up with each other because I knew they really loved each other. And like, mm. I and it plays so well. They're so good at it. And- and when it came to Kim just trying to cheer Jimmy up, hey, let's pull another scam. Let's go harder. I thought they were going to go through with it. And I, I, they were happy for it. So I wanted to see it. But of they course. Got off, they get off on it too. Yeah. They start then, like banging during the. Not, not yep, 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 get off on it. Do you <laughs> think that they would stay together if, if Bob Odenkirk and Bev was, yep, 
Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, Which if they do a Better Call Saul movie, a la El Camino, then we have to see Yep Guy again. I no, just I need toilet. more yep guy just no talking, toilet, making but... Florida State uh, deviled eggs. He's waiting. He's <laughs> with waiting miracle whip. Do you think this will work? <laughs> I hope so. Oh god, just so wait, good. Waiting for Kim at the Applebee's. She's never coming, dude. <laughs> She's not coming, dude. No way. Well, um, no. It was a new Outback opened up. Oh, and they Outback. Have to check out sorry. Outback. I'm sorry. Come on. It's how, a new Outback. When there's I? a new Outback in the neighborhood, you gotta hit that shit up. I love <laughs> the uh, the Central Florida representation at Waterworks, where they not only where are they, they bring at? It, Tampa. You think it's like Tampa? That was what my no no no. They're on the they're on the Atlantic. They okay because they mentioned Satellite Beach, and there's also a shot like Titusville maybe. Yes, no. They actually bring up Titusville too. There's a shot of Kim driving on a specific road that I recognize in Cape Canaveral, and there's an ugly ass building that they call the Cockroach that they included in there. I recognize it. I was Leo pointing meme. It's like, I know that apparently like central Florida locations, yes. <laughs> apparently it's all uh, CG, CGI magic. And uh, they shot it all in Albuquerque and just made you think that it was Florida. Uh, which is cool. Good job by them. Honestly, it's incredible. I thought that it was in Florida. I was like, man, they found a way to make Florida look as ugly as it has looked in anything. They just made everything look flat. Yeah, <laughs> there's no depth. There's no vibrancy to any. No one has ever shot Florida. I mean, to be fair, no one's ever shot Albuquerque like that either, where they just make everything so flat and monotone visually. And well, the to the black and white piece, you know, you were bringing this up earlier about how there is this thematic weight to the black and white. We first see the black and white in season one, where we first get that first uh, glimpse at Gene. And we get these tiny little snippets every season. And it's like one scene at a time over years. And finally, in this last run, we get these extended gene sequences that culminate in uh, in uh, finally seeing Kim. And it's when we see Kim in black and white that it all sort of clicks together thematically. And we see like, okay there was a certain thematic weight to Gene being in black and white because of the entire story that's been built around this guy and the literal like color of the Saul character that's now non-existent. But when it comes to seeing Kim in black and white, it's like, oh, this is a woman who has chosen this life. She didn't escape from the fucking cops after, <laughs> you know, the, the, mm. the downfall of Walter White. She is choosing to be in this existence so that she doesn't have to make any choices. Pay attention to what she does. She doesn't have any opinion about anything. She doesn't, she doesn't do anything because she's so afraid of any of her choices being the bad choices. She's not even ready to commit to miracle whip for deviled eggs. Not even. She says, I don't know. I hope so. Or strawberry vanilla ice cream. (laughs) Rough. Come on. Do better. Um, um, no, but like it is one of those things where I mean, it didn't. I don't know about you guys. Maybe y'all were more uh, adept viewers than I was. But whenever I was first seeing the gene flash forwards, I wasn't thinking, "Oh yes, this has thematic resonance." So I was just like, "Cool, that's like a fun uh, yeah. visual 
quirk that we can just have here to let me know I'm in future times. Right. I, that like did not click in my head as like, oh, this is actually going to yeah, just a visual marker. And I honestly, I never would have thought we would spend like the majority of four full episodes in <laughs> black and white. I thought that like <laughs> once if we do get a flash forward to present, we'll enter, we'll re-enter color at that point. Yeah. But it's so much smarter to still keep the color and the texture zapped from this future world because that's what's happened to the characters and everything that they've been through. And all that remains is their decisions, their choices, and the consequences of them. And Very that's fitting. the magic of this ending is that we don't have anything left except the weight of what they've done and the fallout of all of that. Um, and again, to this love story, it's like it's really complicated because he like he says in that Marie scene, he just needs one person to believe him. And in that scene, he's referring to the jury, but he's actually talking about Kim. And mm. I I do think that yeah. there is a good choice to be made about uh, a case to be made about him not uh, having the best intentions going into that. but. I think that he is deep down hoping that she's there to give him that out. Even if he is like fired up and, and going full Saul mode, there is still that piece inside of him. That's like, that knows that Kim is the one who's going to allow him to fully express his humanity. Um, and he's just waiting for that chance. And yeah, I think seeing her is what finally triggers it and what's makes him vulnerable enough to confess his truth and, and face his truth. And it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I mean, I, I was just in awe of that entire sequence. Also, it's got one of the best butts in a monologue like ever just up there. Just you hear the same thing and you're like, he's like giving the same exact speech they was just second. And he just says that. But, but yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh, I like had a moment where I was just like sitting in bed, like just like, oh, my God, what's happening now? Where are we going from here? Also, shout out to that exit sign shot. As soon oh, as he man. mentioned Chuck and I you mean, get the exit sign and you get Kim framed in the negative space of the exit sign. Oh, like, wow. I was like, dude, it's dude. Everything oh, about God. this show is so well done. I like I mentioned it before I threw it up on my twitter um whenever they have that last shot of kim smoking the cigarette in the jail cell but i want to like blow that shit up and put it into a poster in my house because i'm like oh this is like the most beautiful thing i've ever seen in my entire life and nothing has ever nothing has ever been this perfectly lit before like there's no (laughs) no reason for this to be this stupidly gorgeous this show actually this is and i've been watching friend of the pod brett i've been watching some episodes with him recently and i just try i try to commend with him even the lighting because even the lighting of the show is amazing i know they try to go with more vibes just from like throwing a little smoke in chuck's house to showing with like high shutter speed cameras to catch all these like dark shadows and very Mm -hmm. subtle lighting um like yeah it looks great but that scene like even using the same music cue from their first cigarette together and then being together in that cell just looking like an iconic duo like yeah we've been through a lot it's a perfect ending and yeah. uh you, you're left wondering like are they gonna finger guns yeah <laughs> she's got sure she can still be a lawyer if she wants 
Will she help Jimmy? I like how they they didn't give her the finger guns too because they needed yeah. again they needed to nail down that idea of things have changed. The consequences are here. The lesson is learned, and at the end of the day, it's not about them being together so that they can go back to the way things were. They're going to move forward in a new way and still love each other while being very careful to still hold the weight of their cons of the consequences of their actions. And it's a, it's a beautiful ending. And I, I couldn't have in a million years have asked for anything so perfect because I, I never could have predicted that it was going to end like this. All my theories were all over the place and, and were too easy and too uh, TV, you know, this gives us something more real and more true uh, to these characters and to this story and to the complexities of, of this story. Um, and yeah, that, that final jail cell sequence, like my God, just put that in, put that in the pantheon, put that in every museum because yeah. when she calls him Jimmy, when she says, Hey, Jimmy, I, ah. I just sunk down into my couch because I was like, yeah, that's right. I, that's right. I that's, do want to ask. He's back. That's his his full human self. What What did you guys think about Better Call Saul? Oh, Better yeah. Call Saul is <laughs> the bus there on the bus I, ride. At the beginning of the scene, I thought it was a little on the nose, but by the end of the scene, I was like, oh, yeah. That's that's exactly how I was. I was at first like, it's a little weird. What are, what are we doing here? Like, what are what are we doing here? But then by the end of it, I was like. Yeah, let's fucking go. Better and then immediately off. afterwards, you see the shot of him in the kitchen with the dough turning. Yeah, just like, cinnamon. <laughs> so good. And it's just like, it's, uh, I ended up kind of coming around the scene because it was like, oh no, he's going to be okay in jail. Yep. It doesn't really matter like if he's not in a uh, prison where he's getting golf lessons. Like this character, it wouldn't make sense for him to just, he's so charismatic. And there's something lovable about him mm -hmm. that he was always going to be able to get along fine kind of wherever he went because people like that just do like people yeah. people like that that exists in this world are going to be able to make connections wherever let's, they go. Let's face it, because if he didn't have the good grace of everybody in uh, ADC Montrose or whatever. Uh, he would have had to join with like the Aryan nation or something. <laughs> oh yeah, no, for sure. He's definitely shaving his head day one, um, <laughs> getting shanked day two, dying day three. Also yeah. shout out to Bob. Like there's so many instances of just small acting, the little smile he gives as a button at the end of that scene. It's just, it's equal parts like broken because he can't escape Saul Goodman. And also, happy because he's like yeah that's right motherfuckers i did <laughs> yeah. i did that i still shit. got it i still fucking got <laughs> it's it fucking me dude well um, yeah okay so let's um let's shift gears a little bit and, and kind of broaden the scope out uh to the the season as a whole and the series as a whole and kind of give out some superlatives here as we as we wind down so i think we should start out uh, just to kind of solidify, we've already been uh, teasing it, but favorite episode of this final season. We're counting both part one and part two here. Um, I'm going to go with the finale. I, I I really think this is 
without a doubt, one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen in my whole life. It is, it is just on another level. It's such a good call, man. Because after, after, because so much pays off in that episode. Yeah, it's kind of as like you can't really ask for a better finale. Than that. <laughs> and it's, it's the way they get you, the moment they go black and white, I'm thinking, oh, this is rough. This is not going to end well. I mean, we always had that idea, but uh, to be like the gentle caress of the nuances of Jimmy's, Jimmy's personality, his shift between Saul and back. I have to say, I'll, I'll give my top three. So number one, finale. Number two, fun and games. But shout out to my number three, Chicanery, because that is an all-time episode. Well, oh, wait. Are we talking? We're talking the just, this, just, this just the final season. Chicanery, Chicanery is on my list for the best oh, of okay. the entire show. Like, oh man, talk about a courtroom payoff. That oh, that episode so- is so fucking good. My I, t- uh, I remember as soon as I watched that episode, I messaged her. It's like, oh shit. This is, <laughs> this is getting real. This is it. This okay. is it. Number three for the season then uh, had to be Planet Execution because hot damn. Down to watching Howard's eyes looking for the dilation. Jimmy and Kim bathe in the red light in the photo room. Oh. I was just like, oh man, wearing the gloves, just full crime mode. Patrick, Patrick Fabian, underrated. Yes. Underrated yeah. MVP. So good. Namaste. I hope he gets all the roles and all the awards because man, can that man run it? It felt like it felt like Howard was kind of winding down. Like he was just going to slip out of the show kind of unceremoniously. And then in this final season, they were like, no, let's bring this fucking guy in. Let's go. Cause I was like, Hamlin, Hamlin, McGill, you would think that we would hear that at least at some point during Breaking Bad. So it's like, no, we're going to destroy this. We're going to dismantle this. These they're, one one Hamlin is already dead before the show starts. The Hamlin and the other McGill, they're going to be done. They're out of here, so there's no more Hamlin, Hamlin, McGill. God, it's so tough to pick any... It's tough to pick out literally anything from part two because, like... It's all bad. You got to mention point and shoot. Like, again, I think that's going to be the episode that, as time goes on, is going to be considered the Ozymandias of this season. Like, that is... You take the big bad of the show in Lalo and you kill him on the first episode of part two. What Incredible. a fucking ballsy move to do. And Flex. how it pays off is so good. It's being, so, so well done. It's being a total action head too. Shout out to that gun scene in the pitch black darkness where the entire thing is just lit by like muzzle flares. And I... Like you never see like something like classic noir about seeing like a revolver in a shootout and that Gus would use one to just throat shot Lalo. I'm sorry, but it was like one of the coolest things I've ever <laughs> seen. Badass. It is so, so cool, cool, man. Just smiles. So, and, and like uh, Gus is clean cut and I forget sometimes he slaughtered somebody with the box cutter, but that he oh, would yeah. shoot someone in the throat also is so cool, man. Hard as fuck. And, well, and the thing is and why that is a successful scene, what makes it incredible is you know that it's well shot and well directed, well choreographed mm-hmm. because you know who's coming out on top of that fight. Like, yeah. you know that it's Gus winning and Lalo's dying. And, they still and the fact that you're thrilling. still like Oh my God. Oh, he did it. Like that's, that's just <laughs> perfectly well done. Um, I got to go with still my top three would probably be, it's tough to pick an order, but saw gone fun and games and waterworks, just all three, just incredible yeah. waterworks. 
is really it might be like the most emotionally resonant episode of the entire series for me. Like I was just I was a wreck at a certain point while watching Waterworks. I I it was appropriately titled episode, I should yeah. say. <laughs> I felt the waterworks. <laughs> um so I okay, if I if I'm gonna extend out to three, obviously Saul gone number one. I gotta go nippy number two. Nippy's so much fun. It's such uh, a fun episode. It just kind of it, it caught me off guard, like like Javi said, but in the best way. Like I just I was all on board. And you know, I I love fun and games, but since it's already been mentioned, I'm gonna <laughs> go with um the episode where Nacho dies. Um, I think oh it's... my god, we haven't even talked about that. dude. Nacho's oh my gosh, death. Nacho's death is incredible, like so fucking good. Talk about like somebody who like has it both ways, where he's just like, I'm gonna fucking take it. Like, I I'm deciding my own death and then fucking kills himself. <laughs> Rock and hard clays, uh, episode three of season six. It gutted me, gutted oh, me man. because I there was no other way for Nacho to go. Like he was just completely cornered. There was, there was no, no other options for him, but I was still like, how's he going to get out of this? I dude, same. <laughs> I feel like a child watching, mm-hmm. like he's like, right, but there's no way Mike's going to let him die. Right. Like he's still <laughs> yeah. help him out. You just think, exactly. You're just like, come on, Mike. But also you still have that like bug in the back of your head with like, um, we did watch a show that took place after the events of this and didn't see uh, that guy Nacho involved very much. And yeah. like, I ignored like Mike still working for Gus. Like maybe I could see him, Gus forgiving him if he like, I don't know. But uh, to see it play out like that and then realizing, oh yeah, there's no way Gus would be the loose end. There's no way. Right. And that's, it didn't occur to me till after just to cool myself down because that episode Talk about uh, emotional weight. That was dark, man. Nacho's whole three episode arc was so cool, man. Between the the action and how he went out, man. So good. Is that the same episode where Gus has that moment with the wine owner? Or is that the following episode, Hit and Run? Oh, Um, no. I think that's that's, uh, Point and Shoot, I think. Yeah, that's way later. Oh, that is important. Shoot. That's another, that is- just one of my favorite little subtle character moments in the show. Just a great, I mean, if, in case you forgot that Giancarlo Esposito is incredible in this Gus character, like here's <laughs> something to make you remember and like a quiet character moment. Sure. Um, great. That's scene. amazing. Do you want to give a shout out to, we mentioned Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan, of course, but like the unsung writer director of this show is Gordon Smith. That boy. He also wrote, we're going to talk about it in a second, but another one that's in the Pantheon Hall of Fame episodes, Bagman. Nice. Oh, show. yes. Hell Which yeah. we do get a flashback to in the final episode, but <laughs> yeah. man, so nothing spoiled. like Bob Odenkirk <laughs> drinking his own piss out in the desert. <laughs> that's just give it to me every day. He also uh, wrote Chicanery. Which is yeah, a masterclass yeah, exactly. episode. Dude, Gordon Smith is all over the show and he's got to give him his flowers too. Just genius. Definitely. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit in, more in this space of like the best episodes of the whole show, because um, maybe I'm I'm kind of I I told myself I wasn't going to do this because uh, this is just such a meaty podcast, but I'm I'm doing it anyway. We're gonna build a, the top ten Hall of Fame episodes <laughs> of this whole show. This has now become a pantheon 
TV episode. You uh, did not brief me enough to do enough research before. Okay. Okay. Well, podcast. it's going to be, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough and dirty. Um, but I, I think we can safely, um, we can safely come up with 10. Come on. Oh, a no, I can come up with thing. more than 10. That's the problem. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I think, okay. So the problem is that I have to make sure that recency bias doesn't invade this hall of fame too much. Cause the problem is that I could put the entirety of the back half of like part two of season six in the hall of fame theoretically, <laughs> just cause it's like no notes on all this. This is how you end a television show is just all of this. Yeah. All right. We're, we're doing this fully, fully on the fly. Um, but we've already mentioned, so we mentioned Saul gone fun and games, chicanery, Bagman, Nippy, um, Rock and Hard Place. That's six That's just six. from season six. <laughs> we might have to cut out. I said Waterworks too. So we Waterworks. are at seven from season six, which is uh, we're only left with three episodes. And I feel like we might have to cut some because I have three off the dome from different seasons that have to be included. There's so many, let's talk about this show, especially because sometimes show get better, shows get better over time, but we just have high caliber episodes sprinkled into every season. Exactly. Like, like we get, we get chicanery uh, season three, which is definitely in my personal top. Yeah. It's, it's top gotta three. be, it's gotta be in there because of like the importance for the entire show. I think that chicanery has to be in there. You get, you get a little taste of Jimmy and Kim like scamming together, but then you get them in the courtroom together with the heel scam and against none other than Chuck McGill, the greatest lawyer of all time. It's just like meet challenge of the greats. I love that episode so much. Uh, the great A.A. Dowd, uh, formerly of the AV Club, he wrote a full series ranking um, on the ringer.com of every episode. This is his top 10 that we can use as a framework and we can see what we like and we don't like. Okay. Number 10, rock and hard place. Nine waterworks. Eight lantern. Lantern. The last episode yeah. of Chuck. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a great yeah, one. That with, episode is fucking great. Just uh, without a doubt. My favorite piece of music in that episode with Chuck tearing down the walls. It's called. Walls oh, it's by so Dave good. Porter. You get the yeah. horns, like the swelling up, man. So, great you scene. you just you, describing everybody. that, it just like it flashes to my head, that scene and the score. So good. Uh, inflatable season two, episode seven is his number seven. Number six is five. Oh, episode one, season nice. six. Number five is Wexler v. Goodman, season five, episode six. Ooh, number nice. four, Pimento, season one, episode six. The caviar of the south. Uh, three, uh, three, number three is Bagman season five That's, episode. Bagman eight. has to be in the hall of fame. Bagman is, we mentioned it earlier. It's perfect. Definitely. Number two is winner season four, episode 10. Ooh, and, nice. And Such number one is chicanery season three episode. Oh, five. chicanery. Number one. Nice. I, I think that, I think that winner does have to be in it. I think this show is a really good season finales, guys. Because <laughs> yeah. also, I think that the season finale of season five, something unforgivable, has to be in it. Where you think that's the episode where Lalo's gonna die. Nacho perfectly sabotages him, lets him come in. To oh, the, the raid, the raid on Lalo's house. 
Yeah, that's the oh, final episode yes. of season five. Yeah, that like something <laughs> so <just> cool, <laughs> so fucking good. And also, like, you get the establishment of like him showing up there, and there's like a lot of just like normal people who aren't involved with like all of this horrible like drug dealing mobster shit that are just going to be innocent bystanders yeah. to this beautiful brutal massacre that's going to happen. I'm also I'm also gonna shout out the episode before that which is bad choice road which is the episode right after Bagman. um oh where, my god that whole last that three episode run at the end of the season five just guys <laughs> no, this is okay, this is an impossible task <laughs> i regret this immediately they're tough because it's all good man <laughs> it's all good man so i think we can okay we can we can do this guys we have to limit ourselves on season six episodes okay so i think that i think okay nippy, has nippy to be can go nippy can go it's fine i want to volunteer a season two uh click the season two finale where you find out chuck is recording jimmy you got michael oh the sniper God, that's such a good moment oh that's so good there's so much uh, oh and mike uh you know going to his car uh and then you know oh who left the note that said don't uh, so many great moments. Yeah, I we haven't really mentioned Mike, but talk about like kind of adding color to a character where I oh. personally love Jonathan Banks. Didn't really know how much meat was left on the bone for that character. Mm-hmm. And then after seeing the show, I'm like, could we get just a whole Mike spinoff of like pre Better <laughs> Call Saul? Like, I let's know. just keep going down there. Winner, um, winner is the episode where uh, Mike has to kill the. Uh, the engineer, yeah. Werner Ziegler. That. So season <laughs> four is in the running for the best season. Um, I love this final season. I think it it would probably take the cake just because it, they just wrapped it up so perfectly. But if I was going to choose any other season, it might be four, just because four was when this show proved itself to be its own entirely unique thing out of the shadow of breaking bad and that storyline of the super lab being bill and the relationship that saw bill uh or that uh, mike has with Werner um is really well done and then also on top of that you get great stuff with nacho you get more kim you get all the fallout of chuck's death and how that impacts howard and and jimmy um I really, really love season four. That's kind of like my subjective personal favorite. I season four is that it's season four is the first season where like the plot threads kind of start to come together a little bit because season three is incredible. Season three has the chicanery episode. Like it has those big, the legal battle scenes, but Early on, there's a lot of like there's legalese over here and then there's this nacho storyline over here. And like sometimes they'll intersect together, but they're kind of really separate. And season four into season five is when the threads start to become a little bit more intertwined. Exactly. Dude, I I have to agree with you on season four because I feel like it's an unsung hero. I feel like a lot of people. Well, I've heard some people say that they think it's a slow season, but you do get a lot of quiet moments I actually love that about the show. Like when Jimmy goes to get a job at this uh, copier uh, store and uh, he makes the most excellent pitch. Like he has the interview 
They think he's decent. Okay. Immediately <laughs> turns around and just to see if he can, he gives the pitch of a lifetime. I know printers inside and out. It's in my blood. And these two side characters, speaking of what you said earlier, Hunter, every side character is just amazing. Like just these two guys, like how'd you find these guys are so funny in the scene and like just watching them be like, wow, uh, when can you start? <laughs> like, he's, he's like, like you're you just going to hire me, me just like that. <laughs> what if I'm a murderer? Yeah. <laughs> like, so good. like, so good. And my favorite montage has to be the something stupid split screen montage. And uh, and they it's a little on the nose, but they literally breaking up, break up by saying, uh, I love you, which is, you know, the song's lyrics are uh, mess it all up by saying something stupid like I love you. Oh, and, and I just mm. it's a it's a tiny little tidbit. But again, with the details that that even would pay off is such a cool feeling. But I agree. So should I read out the 10 for the Hall of Fame? Yeah. OK, I mean. Um, I should order these in chronological order, but I'm, I'm again, this is rough. This is rough and dirty. Um, <laughs> this is podcasting at its finest, ladies and gentlemen. Saul, Damn right. Saul gone, fun and games, chicanery, Bagman, rock and hard place, waterworks, winner, something unforgivable, bad choice road and click. Nice. Oh, bad choice road. That's very late series heavy. No, but it it's it pays off too because that Mike is the little speech, which uh, also is one of the rare moments. Somebody speaks to like the core of the show. Yes, and he and he says, you know, someday you'll wait. You the decisions you make put you on a road, and like you said with Kim Trick taking the U turn, that becomes like the the core of the whole back half of this the show. And it gets echoed where where uh, Jimmy harkens back to those words. He kind of parrots them to. Uh, to Kim and then to Jeffy when he's like, sooner or later, you'll just forget about it. You'll wake yeah. up and it's like, you've never even thought about it. And even in season two, which quick shout out to price, one of the funniest side characters uh, who sells the oh, drugs to Nacho. Mark Proch. Um, yeah. He's yeah, excellent. Dude. Mark which, uh, before, I, such a great before I derail this whole point, uh, Mark uh, Thomas Schnauz, who wrote the episode with the phone call with Kim with some of the dialogue, he wanted to, make sure he put in the name Danny when he was speaking to Francesca so that he could sneak in as price being the guy who owns the laser uh, tag area, the store in uh, breaking bed. Nice. So canonically it's the same guy. What is the episode where Nacho poisons Hector? I think it's the season three finale. Is it season three finale? He practices the routine and slip. I think it's a season three episode. Yes. Uh, yes. Slip is the episode that I'm thinking of. Nice. Because that that episode is also like out there. That is, I fucking love that episode so much. That's an incredible um nacho moment, that oh. whole episode. Yes, yeah, slip and then fall right afterwards. I remember what I was gonna say, and it's that Mike also speaks to like the core theme of the show in like season two when he's talking to Price and he gives that little speech, like I've known bad cops, I've known good criminals. Uh, being a bad guy and a criminal isn't the same thing. And that's like Jimmy's whole struggle. Yeah. Uh, which the gray like, area. Yeah. Just and live in the grays. It comes up with how Kim plays it. Like, that's a big question on the show. Like, where does she land on this whole thing? Yeah. It's, it's not as simple as just breaking bad. It's a more complicated uh, exploration of that gray area where you're not quite good you're not quite bad 
it's not as simple as like you were once bad and now you're good or vice versa. You're just all of it at once and you're on that road and it's about the choices that you make on that road. And that's, it's the genius of this fucking show. Um, okay. Favorite characters guys. Ooh. This is, it might be even harder than the episode <laughs> hall of fame. Um, but this show has had some incredible characters. Um, I gotta, I gotta shout out my guy, Nacho, because he is what made me fall in love with this show. And, you know, now in a post finale world, I'm like so in love with Jimmy and Kim and I want the best for them. And, you know, they are the core and the heart of this show through and through. This is a love story at its at its core. But when I was watching those early seasons, Michael Mando's performance is what kept me going, man. Mm -hmm. I was so locked into this guy and his ability to show a hundred different emotions with the most stoic look on his face. Oh man. My, such a tragic character and, and so, so powerful. And that genius final phone call with his dad. Oh. Like I've, that is oh just a God. total heartbreaker, man. I'm going to cry right like, now. <laughs> it's like the negative space in between a conversation. Like everything that isn't said is what's so impactful in that scene. It's like just screenwriting 101 and, like perfectly directed it's oh my god just completely heart-wrenching i need to know what you guys think about that scene because again it's it's these areas where the the writers don't give us a straight answer and they want us to think about it and figure it out do you think his dad knew that that was the last time he was going to talk to his son or not what was going through his dad's head i don't think so it's i mean because there isn't What's interesting about the performance that, and I don't have the actor's name pulled up in front of me, but the actor who plays Nacho's dad is that he's not playing it particularly like sad or even like remorseful. It's more annoyed than anything. It's more just like, yeah, you, know, you can always go to the cops. Like it's more just like a, you can get out of this whenever you want, son. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm done telling you this. Yeah, like it's that like kind of like it. exhausted nature to it and that's what makes it even more tragic is because nacho knows that this is the last time like he knows that he is on death row right now and he cannot explicitly even express that to his father and his father's just kind of done with it so, some of the best acting i've ever seen it is from michael mando in that scene i i was blown away by what he was doing the, the all the emotions he was channeling it was oh so good incredible what about you, Javi? What, what's your take on that scene and the dad? My gut is that he, I, I had a similar read as, as you did, Hunter. Like, I feel like I read him as being tired. Um, but it was also really sad because, yeah, because you're saying, because Nacho knew, but he had no idea. He's just like, I don't even want to talk to you right now. Like you, I don't want anything to do with you because the fact that you think this was even cool to go off and work with these guys. Like he does base a lot of who he is as a person, I feel like on making a, like creating a business and being his own man and staying outside of that world. Like, yeah. cause he did work hard and he has to have some of that. So I do think, and I'm sure like at some point he had in mind that Nacho would work with him. They would just do that. So it has to hurt even more that he would just leave. So I just have to figure he was done with him, which makes that scene so tragic to me. 
my read on it is I think that he going back to that point you just mentioned about him kind of wanting to be an honest man. I think it's also him wanting to choose to be a naive man too. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. he, it, to me, it didn't read as much as like he's exasperated or anything like that. He just wants to pretend that his son is not a criminal. Yeah. And he wants to just almost like choose to live in this fantasy that like he can talk to his son and pretend that his son is not dealing with the problems that he's dealing with yeah, and that it wouldn't even be a possibility for him to be facing the, the, the fucking awful fatal fate that he's about to face because how could he, he's a good boy. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I read it is like, it's just this, you know, out of sight, out of mind, like choosing to live in this fantasy naive space. But to that point, I love that that's not the last time we see him and we get that bit with Mike. Yes. Where it kind of recontextualizes it a little bit and we find out, no, no, He's no. Just like, you're just a gangster. You're yeah. just like everybody else. He's not being it's, naive. He was yeah. not being naive at all. And he knew exactly what was going on. And in a way, in, in an even more tragic way, guys, this, this show is really fucking sad. In a, in a really tragic way, really he had already said goodbye to his son a long yeah. time ago before. That. Yeah. As soon as he kept, continued to go down this path, because I mean, very early on the show, he's just like um, Nacho goes to his father and is just like, hey, no, like you just like let them work out of here and like you'll be good. You'll be protected and all this stuff. And it's like, no get out of here. Like, yeah. stop, stop being around this. Like no amount of money is going to be worth the danger that you're putting yourself in and you're putting our family in by dealing with these people. And his dad was right. Like he was straight the whole fucking time. Of course he was. I'm on the same wave. Like, man, I totally agree. Like if Nacho is up at night with a glass of milk, like dad, listen, I got it down. Just do what they say. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm just thinking like, no fucking way, man. I, there's no way. Like you think you just sit up here, do the dad thing and wait up for me. No way. Like I have to think that, uh, he was pissed, man, because he probably had a totally different vision for Nacho's life. It would have been nice to get a little more of that, but whatever we got was totally heart wrenching between Nacho and his dad. Like that's that's what's so great about the show too, because all of the side characters just sing in whatever small amounts of time that they have. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough doing like a favorite character because it's like, well, I could like continue to sing the praises of Tony Dalton and Michael <laughs> McKean and. <laughs> Even going down to like some of the more like very peripheral characters, like uh, what is his name? Stephen Bauer, who plays Don Eladio. Nice. Like every time they go see that man, I'm just like, yeah, no, I'd go to war for this dude for sure, no <laughs> doubt, man. Like I'll I'll go ahead. Like, what do you want? You want me to sell some meth for you? Sure, dog, I got you. Um, <laughs> like just down the line, it's like everybody is incredible. If you put a gun to my head and say, who's your favorite part of this show? I mean, it feels cliche to say at this point, but I, it's got to be Ray Seahorn, right? Like it's everything. I didn't think that this show could possibly create characters that were as create characters out of whole cloth that were as wholly memorable as Walt and Jesse. Mm-hmm. Like I just kind of thought that we were past that. And you know, Nacho is amazing. I mean, they created several of those characters. It's one of the things that is even more impressive about the show. But at the end of the day, it's 
Kim and Jimmy. It's and Kim Wexler is this wholly original idea who is the heartbeat of this show. The fact that we spend the last two episodes not just with Saul Jimmy, but we as an audience feel the need to know where is Kim now. Kind We're of so invested. We care yeah, so much. That's just kind of says it all about how important of a character this is that they created and how special of a character it is that Ray Seahorn is channeling here. Just an excellent performance. And like, uh, like I'm so just curious about Kim's journey and where she's going to end up. Like I'm watching her like to the iota, like every muscle move. I'm like, oh man, where's she going with this one? But it's like one of the most enticing questions that I've ever been asked by a TV show. It's just what is going to happen to this person? Mm-hmm. What about you, Javi, if you had to pick a favorite character? So obvious. I have to go. My gut instinct says Kim, but I have to give a favorite side character because the unsung hero of the show is Caldera, the uh, the veterinarian. Oh, uh, yo, yeah. if yeah, we're yeah. making if we are doing another spinoff of this show, I want <laughs> yeah. it to be about that guy. I'm like, I want to see the black book. I want to see everything that's in there. All of his connections. He like the fact that like Mike rolls into Albuquerque and meets this guy by sheer need of being healed by a gunshot wound. And then him being the crux of Jimmy meeting guys in the criminal world and how we get Stephen Ogg and <laughs> working with Mike from the same connection and then uh jimmy works with him for trying to pull a con on uh what's his name mesa verde (laughs) fucking kevin (laughs) but yeah i have to give it to caldera the veterinarian because it's one of the all-time greatest side characters i just think it's so when you think about a character who's just like you are fascinated and just want to know more information and in totally as like I don't know, like 15 minutes of screen time in the entire series, but you're just like, no, give me more. Give me a whole show about that guy. That's great. That's just making me want to rewatch this whole show. Just thinking (laughs) back to like early, early days of these. I mean, we've come such a long way, man. This story. I I just want to watch the whole thing and Breaking Bad. Like, oh my God, that's going to be such a journey. Just diving back. When you are talking about bringing back the legacy characters. I mean, of course, Bob Odenkirk as Saul, the central character, but Giancarlo Esposito and Jonathan Banks just kind of didn't really know how much story there was left to tell for those characters. And man, it's just great when, you know, sometimes whenever there is just like that chance to see Don Draper come back and just kind of put on the suit again, like sometimes it's just, great when you see somebody who is born to play this role come back and play the role and it it doesn't feel like fan service it actually feels like there's a purpose to it yeah it's so satisfying like it's hard to even talk about how great they are because they are still doing the same performance like it's not like bob odenkirk where they're like channeling different they're throwing like a change up based on the fastball that they had in the previous show I don't know. I well, they get don't, more I don't know fucking baseball guys. I'm trying my best out here in my <laughs> baseball metaphors, but it's there it, aren't fluctuating their speeds. They are still doing the same performance, but there's just still doing that same performance really well. Um, and Jonathan Banks has some more layers to him. I'd say for than sure. necessarily Gus yeah. does, but with his yeah, granddaughter, see, the whole granddaughter yeah. plot line, like, Oh my God, that just adds so much humanity to him. Some more background to the whole thing of his son dying mm-hmm. and like how that just completely kind of sent him off the deep end a little bit. His little, I broke my boy speech is almost 
also season one fifth episode the entire show but super sad (laughs) and we get so much out of mike and i never thought we would get all that and so fortunate for it it's such a golden episode also i just real quick they're in breaking bad too the two scariest individuals i've ever seen in my entire life are daniel and luis moncado who play the cousins <laughs> yeah when you just see the two of them standing on a rooftop staring at you i like want to shit myself i'm like i've never been so terrified in my entire life of seeing these two cousins just fucking staring at me from afar it's it's great i just i kind of as soon as they popped back up in this show that was like yeah. one of my favorite kind of almost throwaway type characters, but you see them in here and I'm like, oh man, these guys are so scary. Yeah. I love them. I mean, to that, to that same effect, like them and, and Hector, whenever they come up and especially towards the end, when Hector's in the wheelchair with the bell, it just like, all of that stuff oh. is so attached to Breaking Bad that I'm almost yeah, like... Yeah, talk about all the color of the bell and uh, the, how that pays off in Breaking Bad with <laughs> Gus's death scene and everything. Just so good. That All of that stuff is like, it's fun, but it's so attached to Breaking Bad and the tone of that show that it like juxtaposes how much like mature and grown up Better Call Saul is in a way that it's like the bet he's like dinging the bell and it's just like oh yeah this is like this is fun but it's like we're doing we're at we've been operating at like this entire other level of storytelling that we're when we're back with hector ringing the bell it's like big time with when i see that it's just like better call saul's bet it's a better show than breaking (laughs) bad like we're it's just we're this is the show for grown-ups. Like we don't have to ding the bell all the time. And <laughs> it's, it's yeah. more, it's more rich and, and, and layered. I, um, I mean, that's what I mean about that's why like season four is so important for the show is because it, there is a little bit of that parallel timelines where you're like the whole, like, all right, now we have to do the better call Saul fan service for the, or for the breaking bad fan service for people that are on <laughs> here. We have to throw the mob shit in here. And like, it does kind of not, it feels detached from the show that you're yeah. watching until it's no longer detached at a certain point. It's all fun though. It's never it is unwelcome. Fun. Yeah. It's still a blast. I'm never yeah. like, Oh, can we like get past all of these like crazy mafia shit that we got going on over here with this whole family (laughs) that that did remind me i did want to go back to the uh episode the last um i guess it is the last nacho episode or maybe the one before um where he's running from the salamanca twins and it's like this super crazy episode of him just like that's a great one hiding in the in the oil and all that shit like oh oh, god that (laughs) was so good fucking shots that was so fucking good um guys i'm actually going to change my pick from michael mando to the filmmaking crew oh nice um, that's actually <laughs> my pick character. of the best character the Just, shots my favorite pick, my favorite character are shots no 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 the the, the the filmmaking guys that oh, helped oh, him that with the commercials all. You got to pay extra for a dolly guys. You got to pay extra. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the, 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 the MVPs of this entire operation. That little shithead who plays the director is incredible. That's like every guy who took two years of film school, film (laughs) classes in college. Just like, yeah, no, 
Well, now you have to charge double. So like, I, you know, <laughs> kind of a big deal now. You're taking me, you're taking me out of physics. So like, yeah, I have to charge you more now. So I was always fun. so happy to see them. I was like, yes, <laughs> these guys. <laughs> Whenever they put on makeup to play like old people for a commercial. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Like they're, and just, uh, I got to give another, another little shout out here. I feel like I got to give shout out to every single scene of the show, but their last scene when they're helping with the ham scam and they're, uh, like they have that shot where it's just spinning around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, what a cool moment. Like it's the, I felt guilty for how much fun I was having because obviously <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was just I'm such a wreck after it. It was so great. So much uh-huh. fun. But uh, I, I get it, man. Nacho is such a great character. I just wish he he feels like such a big character. And, and actually, he doesn't have that much screen time compared to everybody else. But he just kills it in every scene that he's in. Nacho is an iconic character. And to see him in his first appearance, just talk down Tuco, like that's his set of expertise. Like, oh, yeah, this is what I do. Like, this is, yeah. I got him. Fucking hardcore. Yeah. Such a hard ass. So that... That Mexican restaurant that they operate out of, do we think the food's good there? At least they they have good uh, chips and guac, is my guess. Like, at the very least, you got... I was wondering, I was like, it's definitely, it's authentic as hell when they try to make it. Otherwise, <laughs> no. I feel like if you're just a casual guy walking in there for, like, some nice enchiladas, like... No. It might taste like shit. It might no, just you gotta, have been sitting there for hours. Like, you... <laughs> you gotta hope that you get... Uh, that the chips are not stale and don't venture too much. Just get a taco and, you know, a nice cold beer and you'll be fine. I don't I've never been to Albuquerque, but I got high hopes for the Mexican food there. I have to, I have to, <laughs> Oh, I mean that it's a great, better be, restaurant. Yeah. I, it, it, you know, I mean, they got like hatch green chilies and shit like that, that are actually fresh as hell. So like I, there is a, there's a, a floor at least that's there. I just, at first, when I saw it there, I was like, damn, I think this place is like really good. And then the more time that you spend there, it's like, well, do they cook in this kitchen? Like, do they actually like <laughs> if you like order a number seven, yeah. are they going to know how and to make not it? not meth? Not don't cook meth, <laughs> actual food. It's like we see the cook once and he's like sweating his balls off because that's when Nacho <laughs> kills the AC no, to practice that, the scam. That makes me more confident in it. I actually <laughs> only like a good restaurant if I just see if there's like half sweat is the moisture in my food. Like cut out the olive oil on the pan, just pure sweat to grease yeah. that pan. Real sweat and blood in there. But Lalo cooked in there the one time. So, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Lalo was putting on some tunes. He was doing his whole thing in there. Living his best life. Last call to shout out anything from this incredible series. I'm going to shout out one last thing. It's the scene between Jesse and Kim. Um, Just a nice little Mm. overlap of these two stories. It's the end of Kim. It's the beginning of Jesse. It's end of waterworks. It's these two people that had a soul that was corrupted by this world. And that were taken over by forces outside of their control that got the better of them. And to see them have that chat and share that cigarette was a, a great, a great little bit of fan service, like a fan service <laughs> in the perfect way mm. with actual uh, thematic resonance. It's that's the, t- I like that is one of the, that's probably my favorite use of the flashbacks between like our, core Walt and Jesse that we got breaking bad as an episode is fun 
Because, you know, it's fun to like go back to that episode where we first met Saul and everything else like that. But just that one little moment that's a little bit quieter of the, is he, is he good? He was whenever I knew him. Like how that goes on to impact like both of their lives, this little interaction that they have is just, it's perfect. It's, it's so, so well done. Just, just imagine if Kim, if Kim was still a lawyer there and she could have represented them. And it, it all could have been avoided. Wow. You know, it, I was like thinking about it after, because I mean, that's the penultimate episode and that could have been the last time that we see Kim. Yeah. Could have been like that last shot when she walks away, like runs away to her car in the rain. And honestly, I think that's a pretty good ending. Yeah. I, the ending that we got was better for Kim. Like it yeah. definitely ended on even more of a high, but like if we never saw Kim again, I think I would have been happy with where we ended her is that we see her in the modern day. We see her be like, you need to turn yourself in. And then we get that flashback moment of the last time that she saw Jimmy as she knew him. So good. Well put, man. Any last little shout outs before we wrap up boys? Uh, Oh, uh, just the time machine. Did you guys see it in uh, episode one? Like he had it on his nightstand. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, HG Wells is, and then to wrap it all up with that Chuck scene to see those Chuck's book all along. And that's why he's been sitting with his book. Cause I feel like Chuck hardly gets mentioned after he dies. And it's, it's so like weird watching the show thinking like, where did it even happen? Like, where is he? Where, where is it going to come up? And what you said, like planting the seed when he finally admits that he killed, like he helped, he led to his suicide. Yeah. Just want to shout that out. I was so happy yeah. to get that in the flashback. I that's what I was looking for. That he needed to rid himself me. of that guilt, and we as viewers needed to be reminded of the weight of Chuck on this story. Because as after mm-hmm. season three, it became more about all these other characters, and to go back to that and to see him again was really powerful. So, but like it is one of those things where he's gone like you aren't physically seeing michael mckean anymore but he does have this massive shadow yeah. on everything jimmy on jimmy for that recognition on Kim, from everyone i mean on more than anybody on patrick fabian on yeah. just howard howard is the one who's shouldering the guilt and the regret that jimmy should be shouldering man that's one of the things that's just so well done just oof. Man, all right. God, what a show, guys. What a fucking <laughs> show, man. Could go all day with it, dude. I swear. Uh, but yeah. Better Call Saul, the end of an era, an incredible show. Thank you uh, to Peter Gould and Bob Odenkirk and all the cast and crew for creating this fucking incredible piece of art. Take your flowers. Everybody, cast and crew, everyone gets their flowers. I'm so, so I'm so, much. so happy. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to rewatch it one day. It's It's yeah. going to be a trip. Uh, and thank you boys for, for uh, this great podcast. Thank you, Javi, for, for joining us. I hope that you're able to come on again soon. Yeah. I hope that you get out for good behavior. Right. And you don't have to spend the next 80 years in black and white purgatory. I got it. I promise you it, it won't be for something better than Better Call Saul. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be hard to find, but it was an honor, of course. And honestly, I needed to get some of that off my chest because I cannot stop thinking about the show, even after it's ended. So. It's going to it's yeah. going to ruminate in my in my head for a long time. It's one of those where I'm just going to be thinking about it uh, randomly. It's just I'll think <laughs> about Cinnabon and and Kim and and yeah. uh, Mark Proch. I'll be Proch sitting at home thinking Yellow you know the, Hummer. 
<laughs> you know, you know the fallacy of sunk costs. I know that. <laughs> but yeah, legendary. Uh, all right. Well, thanks again. And thank you for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, and let us know what you thought about Call Saw. Like and comment and visit webottomike.net for the full archive where you can also become a donor. Thank you, beautiful donors, for donating and supporting the show. Next week, we are returning to Robin with Flubber. Ooh, I can't wait. That's gonna be it's a, a banger. <laughs> it's it's gonna be an unhinged episode. I can say that right now. You That's like awesome. Flubber, Javi? I'm excited. I'm I have I was obsessed with this movie after not watching it as a kid, but it turned out to be yeah. so much fun when I watched it. It is <laughs> it's kind of shouldn't be a children's film. It is <laughs> the horniest children's movie right. that has ever existed uh and in all the wrong ways i well, can't wait to dive into Javi, it we we had you on for mrs doubtfire and i feel like this is gonna uh give it a run for its money in terms of like a family movie that pushes the that's unhinged the distinction yeah. <laughs> of the, family. Two, the two family figures of robin williams's uh family going movie career yes. is trying to dress up like a woman to reconnect with his ex wife's family and uh possibly having a romantic love interest with a floating robot uh mm. as he's <laughs> does them. not care about his wife at all because he's more interested in flubber what are you gonna do i got research green man also if you haven't already check out the episode i did with dane on for all mankind season three it just wrapped up and jordan peele's nope we have a review for that on the feed as well so stick around stay tuned for more robin and uh, more coverage on the latest movies and television. Uh, recommend the show. And we'll see you next time. Thanks again. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.